Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Uh, I've watched, I've watched, uh, as, as the, as the Spanish would say, un poquito of wrestling. <laughs> very, very, uh, good use of Spanish there because today we return to my favorite thing ever in wrestling, Lucha yeah. Underground. Yeah, that was a little thematic tie-in, you see? Yeah. All right. So today, um, we are not going to do episode two of Lucha Underground. Instead, we're skipping ahead to episode nine. And the reason mm -hmm. I the reason I chose to do that is because for a lot of people, you know, talk online is that people talk about Lucha Underground starting a little bit slow. And I think mainly that's because, you know, they don't have they didn't have all their wrestlers in there yet. And also because they didn't have any championship gold necessarily yet. Really, everyone was fighting for not really anything except for um, Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma. And I'll t get to that storyline in a bit. So it's just, it just kind of feels a little directionless in some ways. And so for a lot of, when people talk about Lucha Underground online, a lot of people talk about episode nine, the one we're going to watch today as being a really good jumping off point for a new viewer. If you just want to like get in there, get started, yes. go fast. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, but first we're going to talk about what happened in the intervening uh, seven episodes from the first, the one we watched to how we got to here. And I yeah, personally, shit. yeah, for me, honestly, it's actually kind of interesting to watch them have this like self-contained seven episode arc regarding the main, the a plot that we saw in the first episode, which was all about the money. As a reminder, in the first episode, Dario Cueto offered a hundred thousand dollars to whoever impressed him the most. And he was seemingly going to give the briefcase to Johnny Mundo, a the wrestler who won the main event of the first episode of the show. Then he revealed, like a real cheapskate, that he's actually going to be giving the money to these mercenaries that he already hired himself to beat up Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma after the end of the at the end of the first episode. Yeah, good times. Good times. And so the first seven episodes, the A-plot is all about really Johnny Mundo trying to get that money back. And so, and it's an, it's kind of a, cons oh. a con it's a constant back and forth between him and the various members of what will become known as the crew. You have big Rick, who is the main, the main, the kind of the, the heavy and the leader of the crew, as well as, you know, Cortez Castro, Mr. Cisco, and eventually Bale, who came in later and they were, they, they're the flunkies. You know, they're very, they're very talented. They would, they would end up, they would, they would become a, you know, a winning tag team or anything, but they're there to kind of be the flunkies for big Rick. And Bale, as in like the pagan God Bale. I mean, it is spelled the same B A E L, but otherwise no, no real comparisons. He's, he's the least important member of this group. Oh. It's just his name. Okay. Which on a show on this Fair show, enough. just as being his name is a little weird now that you mention it. Oh, good. So I'm afraid to go there. Yeah. So and also Dario kind of also 
Dario, so Dario ends up offering the money to giving sis, giving Mundo another opportunity to get to win the money because Mundo kept threatening him, breaking into his office, kick trying threatening to beat his ass, that kind of thing. As you do. Yeah. yeah. And then you also have Prince Puma kind of being involved here. And he, his angle to this isn't necessarily about the money. It's more about the moral, the moral, you know, it's being what's ethical here is that, you know, Mundo gets, is getting cheated and he's getting fighting, having to fight off these guys four on one. And, you know, I, I, that it is the right thing to do for me to get involved and to help. And meanwhile, you have Conan, his manager, who, who is like, nah, man, this ain't your fight. Like you stay out of this, but you know his his baby face righteousness will not allow him to do so. And I gotta say, of- I gotta say, um, the 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 um sort of more noble anti-hero angle they've mm-hmm. taken with Mundo is surprising me. After you um you talked in episode uh, episode three about um how much of a douchebag Mundo is. I thought for sure this guy was going to be just kind of like an uppity heel all the way through, but like, so far he seems like this kind of like upstanding dude just kind of full of himself and pushy. I hate to spoil along, but he will become a heel and he will be really good at it. But for this, but for this early portion of the show, he is, he is a baby face. Damn it. Okay. So, but yeah, so and it all culminates in a three-way ladder match between um, Johnny Mundo, uh, Prince Puma, and Big Rick. And despite interference and shenanigans, Johnny Mundo wins. He gets the briefcase. You know, again, a nice little self-contained seven-episode arc, really. So and ever so, what happened? And then what happens? Ever throughout the rest of the episodes, it's kind of like a revolving door of side plots. You know, some episodes will get different ep- different storylines kind of uh, advanced and, and focused on and s- versus others. But so the, yeah. the basic uh, feuds going from these first seven episodes is I think we I should talk next about what Sexy Star's up to because it, it kind of informs all the other stuff. So. Ah, hey. So. Sexy Star, I, I think Sexy Star's story was definitely the number two. If I have to rank the storylines in terms of importance through the first seven episodes, Sexy Star is number two, I think. So Sexy Star was in a feud yeah. with uh, Son of Havoc, but they actually kind of quickly and immediately pivot away from it to kind of tell a more interesting story. Where So in the first... So in the first episode, you had Chavo Guerrero, you know, he loses that first match and Dario Cueto's like, dude, get it together. And that pays off to, in I believe episode two, Chavo Guerrero um, beat Blue Demon Jr. was who beat him in the first episode. So Chavo Guerrero attacks Blue Demon Jr. and puts him in the hospital doing a heel turn for Chavo Guerrero. And sexy star uh tries to be the you know the hero to be to help help blue demon jr and for her troubles chavo guerrero uh uh clocks her clean in the face with a chair oh like it's direct bam and so she's now in this feud with chavo guerrero for the next few episodes 
of like trying to lay like trying to get through to him because they were friends and suddenly he's, you know, betraying them to try to get ahead in the eyes of, of the people of Dario Cueto. And it ends up bringing in, um, it ends up, they end up making new friends in sexy star, brave friends, Ray Phoenix and Chavo Guerrero, Pentagon jr. Um, you, they were, those were the Lucha brothers from our one time we watched AEW. Uh, they are kind of, they are a longstanding, they had a, they pretty much Lucha underground the entire time that the show ran one of the few wrestlers to be there all four seasons. And they were always pretty big stars in this, in the show. And this was kind of their first, kind of their first go around on Lucha Underground. Uh, this is the very first storyline. And uh, Pentagon Jr., at his his character is, he's, 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 he's literally, he's, they have this backstage, this like origin story that he's like a ninja man. Like he studied martial art. He went to Japan and studied martial arts on top of his Lucha Libre uh, background. And he's and kinda, how one of the least silliest characters I've heard I've heard him called the pissed a pissed off ninja skeleton man, and I feel like that's as good of an explanation as I can have. Phoenix is I'll take it. Phoenix is kind of a phoenix, not literally. I, well, only kind of. He's not literally a phoenix, and I have to make that distinction because we have a literal dragon, which I'll get to him. We have a literal yeah. Which, which I have to say, like, like I think it's even wilder, without even knowing anything else about a phoenix. I think it's even wilder that he's only part of a phoenix, not a whole phoenix. Unlike, like, unlike our our friend, our friend Drago, who is a dragon. But Phoenix is just straight up. He he's played all more of almost like the embodiment of life and goodness than he is a mythological character. But at the same time, when he has interactions with more magical characters like Mil Muertes, it's kind of acted like he's kind of has magic himself. Phoenix life magic of some. So like, wait. So 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 not nearly abstract enough. Kind of the 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 concept character that Claire was talking about in the Christmas special. Yeah, um, it's, it's, of, it's. I want it's, a character that's just a concept. It's a little, it's like, ha- it's like halfway to being a concept. <laughs> it's, and, it's, it's, it's a little too concrete to work, but, yeah. uh, but, but not, uh, uh, but, but it's, 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 it's a concept. It's a character. It's a concept as a character. Yes. Yeah. He is, he is life incarnate, is life incarnate almost. And that's why he is a forever rival on this show to Mil Muertes, who is death incarnate. <laughs> They they play into that a lot, yeah. but and they have a f- early interaction in these few episodes, but we'll not we're not there yet. So that's kind of the first feud is Chavo Guerrero and Phoenix versus um uh, excuse me Chavo Guerrero and Pentagon Junior versus Sexy Star and Phoenix. So they kind of are are kind of fighting. Nice. Is number two. So number the number three storyline is Drago. Is Drago appears and he and to be clear, he is a dragon. They do a video that talks about the long history of dragons as things that are real, but to survive in a in a growing mod. But the idea they were like hunted down by modern humanity. 
and to survive this one dragon figured out how to reincarnate itself as a human being <laughs> so he's a but he is a literal uh, dragon <laughs> yep yep that's that's how that works and he has met and he has found been caught in the crossfires of king cuerno who is who is a big game hunter <laughs> And what bigger game might you have than the Dragon Man? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, so like that's been an ongoing thing. Like they're like they'll be like stalking each other in, throughout the arena. They have they fought each other. You know, it's been actually pretty fun to watch. But they'll. But but wait, but not the half Phoenix Man. No, not the Phoenix. No, we're not. Phoenix is doing other stuff. No. I... So I guess I guess I guess he just doesn't measure up as as game to no. to to the dragon. He'd rather I don't know. not. I feel like personally, I'd want to. I'd want to. I see. Personally, I'd want to challenge myself to 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 be able to properly hunt a semi metaphysical concept. But you can't kill. But you can't like, I feel kill like the phoenix. Boring. That's the problem. You can't kill the phoenix. Well, no, but like. If you get him, you can at least say you did, even if he like it doesn't go dead. Dead. I don't know. Personal taste. Oh. Uh, that's just yeah. I guess, you know, personal choices. Quirino was like, I want the dragon. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was his call. Uh, so we have so we have that. Um, oh right, I guess the number four plot is Son of Havoc, where Son of Havoc he kind of did stick along like. He, while he's not feuding with Sexy Star anymore, um, he keeps the same general, like, storyline of, like, I'm a serious wrestler. I want serious opponents. And then he most certainly does not get serious opponents, or at least by his own standard, by his kind of, like, toxic masculine standards, because his opponents are uh, Masquerita Sagrada, who is a mini- He's one of the, you know, in Mexican Lucha Libre, little people wrestling is is more common and treated as more of a serious deal. And so that's Masquerita. So Masquerita Sagrada is there. And then after that, uh, he, he faces Pimpinella Escarlata, who is uh, ex- an exotico, which is as a which is a wrestling in drag wrestling drag queens, which is another facet of Lucha Libre culture. And so, Son of Havoc isn't having a good time with this whole I w- I'm a serious wrestler thing. Hey, 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 you know what? Good. <laughs> yep. I'm glad he's not. Fuck you, Son of Havoc. Fuck I agree. He's kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, he kind of sucks, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a dick right now. And then... Yeah. Kind, of, kind of really the only other major plot going on is... Oh, of course, obviously... He keeps getting. He also keeps losing to these wrestlers that he considers unimportant and not worth his time. Natch. Wait, so he gets the one win against Sexy Star, and then and then just yeah, then he's losing. Yeah, then he starts. He loses to Masquerita Sagrada. He loses to Pimpinella Escarlata. Oh, you love. He ain't getting dubs. (laughs) (laughs) Good. 
Yay! And then, of, and then the final uh, real plot going on. It's not really a plot necessarily. It's more just like a character is there. Is the introduction of Mil Muertes. He doesn't really have any major storyline beats right now. It's just more of like this dude is here. <laughs> oh, Mil Muertes is coming. Oh, I've been waiting. A thousand deaths comes for us all. So. His shtick okay, is for some reason when I think of when I think of when I think of Mil Muertes, I really think I just like can never conjure any other mental image in my mind but Ermac from Mortal Kombat. Alright, let me let me look up Ermac and, and kind of, you know, compare and contrast what you're thinking here. He's he has he has like a whole bunch of different iterations because he's he started life as like this like this Easter egg character that uh, evolved from a meme. But his most recent incarnations is he's basically just like big spooky Dudorino with some like kind of mummy vibes generally. Well, Mertes is more Mertes is more zombie than mummy, but he is a big spooky dude vibe. Okay, well, yeah, fair enough. Because not because Mertes isn't just like the death man; he's also one of the physically largest wrestlers on the roster. <laughs> So so, how hard do they go on 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 making the zombie aesthetic happen? Like, is it is it like Undertaker, where his, his whole supernatural thing is just like internal, I guess, or is it like do they actually like put him in makeup and shit? Um, they don't put him in makeup because you know they have a they, he's a ma he's masked, but it's oh it's, well, that's it's fair. it's more of a, a dark aesthetic overall. But Katrina has more his who's his manager. Let me let me explain their his backstory given in episode like two. Yeah. So Mil Muertes mm-hmm. was just a regular child in whatever his hometown city was. I don't really I don't think they even say. Until an earthquake came and basically destroyed his town. And it nearly killed him until Katrina came to him. And Katrina is spooky ghost witch lady. They kind of go back and forth on mm-hmm. like what she's supposed to be exactly, but she has super, she is supernatural in origin. And Fair enough. she gave Muertes his powers to be able to survive this earthquake. And ever since then, they have been, they've been kind of a, ta- a duo together and she keeps a rock from the earthquake that destroyed his town on her person and she uses it to like power muertes when he's weak it's very it's very reminiscent of undertaker's act when um when he first debuted with paul bearer paul bearer had this mysterious urn that when that whenever undertaker looked down and out paul bearer would raise the urn and he would and he would call to the undertaker and the undertaker would pout would kind of power up and there's a very similar dynamic in katrina's rock with mil muertes what what that's insane and I, I love it. I know. And then and also I don't I think she started doing this by now, but they add this gimmick with Katrina that after every match, she would sensually walk like crawl not necessarily crawl, but like bend over the downed opponent of Mil Muertes and lick them across the face. And it is her lick of death as as titled. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh! And it's and it's oh. and it's somewhat implied that this gives her power. I don't I don't remember if they explicitly say that, 
but it's it kind of she is empowered by the li- by licking <laughs> the victims of Mil Muertes. <laughs> ah, so look, I know, I know, I I know, I probably like offhandedly like we'll see any sort of random weird looking thing happen in a wrestling match and and say kinky but i mean it this time i mean it's kind of supposed it's supposed to be a little kinky <laughs> oh so hey our necromancy conversation comes full circle to the podcast oh we are God not damn it. we are not explaining that conversation to the podcast Oh Jesus! No, but but okay. So she's so so she's got a thing with Mil Muertes, and and that thing just happens to be beneficial to his wrestling. Cool, yep. cool. I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. Okay, I'm, I, I, I ain't gonna shame. All right, so we've covered kind of the major plot lines of the first seven episodes, and episode eight existed as a setup for this one, is where basically Dario Cueto presented the roster with a unique opportunity which is a phrase that you should absolutely get used to because Dario Cueto loves Mm. unique opportunities. Yeah. Why do I feel like that's surrounded by like a millions of, (laughs) of air quotes? Well, it's kind of, it's, it's, he's not inherently trying to screw anybody over usually when he does this, but there's, it's more of like very high risk, high reward situations where if you actually succeed at whatever test he's throwing at you, it is actually very beneficial to you. But if you fail, it's you might it would have been better if you didn't do it at all. And he also is very yeah. vague, and he's also very vague and never explains what he means until after you're done. <laughs> he's all he always he he promises this unique opportunity, but doesn't really ex- ever explain anything about what it's about. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that sounds like Dario, Supreme Bastard Dario. Pretty much, yeah. So they basically have a series of matches where he has. There's two matches, ten man matches, which were between the twenty people who would later be in this, who would appear in this episode, and then the winners of those matches were Phoenix and Mil Muertes. And they then had a singles match with each other. This was the first kind, the first meeting of Phoenix versus Mil Muertes. And Mil Muertes won the match. And then it was, and then, then Dario explained everything. Is that on this episode, episode nine, would be the very first Aztec Warfare. So t- for the very first Lucha Underground Champion. So Aztec Warfare, we talked a little bit last week about the Royal Rumble. That's actually, I'm actually good that I did that because now I can say it's a lot like the Royal Rumble, conceptually speaking. Uh-huh. And the the big difference is is that instead of you, you instead of uh, it being like a battle royal where you throw your uh, opponents over the top rope, in this match you have to pin somebody to eliminate them. But it otherwise oh mm-hmm. okay a twist I, I I like it yeah it's a, it's but it's otherwise like the Royal Rumble in concept you start with two people in the ring and every couple of minutes somebody else comes in until everybody's in the match. And the unique opportunity was the winner of Dario's little test, that is Mil Muertes, gets to come out last. He's number 20. <laughs> oh, oh. For, okay, first, I, I'm surprised that, that Mil Muertes answers to anybody, let alone some, like, some, like, corporate 
doodah like like Dario. It's it's kind of the same. It's kind of a, I mean, he doesn't answer to Dario. I think that's a bit of a. I think that might be giving the, too much credit to that relationship. It's more of he goes along with it because you know he gets a chance to murderize people. Dario lets him murder at his heart's content. So he's like, okay, I'll hang out. I'll hang out in the temple. Murderer. <laughs> Murder, you know, Dari. If 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 there's a few, it's the it's the it's the gold frankincense and murder vibe. <laughs> you know, Dar. You know, Dario doesn't care too much about you know a few corpses turning up. So Mills like, I'll just stay here, thanks. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I I can I can. I can, I can, uh, I can get down with that. I respect it. You know, you, you gotta apply your trade sometimes. Yeah. And Phoenix, because he lost the singles match with each, with Mil Muertes, he's, he will be going number one. He's starting. Oh, 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 fun. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, and that leads to the Aztec warfare, which that, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, that's the whole episode. Aztec Warfare is the length of the entire episode. There's nothing else here except they, they might have a couple of backstage bits. I don't know if they did or not. But in terms of matches, this is it. Um, oh, yes. That's amazing. This so so our, our I, I, uh, wait I'm actually like, I'm actually kind of hyped for this because I would love I would love just like um I, I've been thinking kind of like you know I really want like especially after last week where mm-hmm. we had like 48 minutes of just two matches uh mm-hmm. and they were kind of lackluster to me like I was like dang I really want like like big long boys to be able to really get uh digging deep with some of the 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 work and the technique and everything oh trust me that's gonna happen here because that's here's another reason why you know everyone's like aztec warfare is a good spot to start you off with not only is it you know it's kind of a start of a new arc and you don't necessarily need to know any of the backstories to really understand what's happening in the match but also aztec warfare is fun as fuck I've watched all four of them <laughs> from watching Lucha oh, Underground. Man. They are always a highlight of any season they are on. Um. Oh, okay. All right, so I'm going to list off the competitors of this match. Uh, I will have mentioned most of them before, but the ones I haven't, I will explain. So you have Phoenix, yes. Pentagon Jr., King Cuerno, Drago, Big Rick, Superfly. Superfly is just kind of a jobber character. He doesn't really have any character, right? This this portion of Lucha Underground has a few of those who are just kind of like jobbers without any real character. They will phase that out as time goes on where either they'll get a character or they're just not going to show up anymore. But right now, while they're still kind okay. of establishing the roster and establishing storylines, they do make use of jobbers every once in a while. Um, Prince Puma, Son of Havoc. I'm very excited I get to explain this one. El Mariachi Loco. If that sounds a little stereotypical oh, to you, oh, yeah. it's supposed to be. 
So, oh yeah, because he's a jobber too. But there's a whole backstory to him, where Dario Cueto, in his own words, went to his favorite Mexican restaurant, saw this dude in the mariachi band, and was like, "Do you want to be in my Fight Club?" What? <laughs> oh no 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 no! <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Mary El Mariachi Loco, the best jobber on this show. <laughs> Just for the backstory alone. That sounds. Like, I want all of them. I want all of them to to win and be champion. Actually, fuck being jobbers. You guys deserve everything. I haven't yeah. seen them fight, but they deserve everything. Hey. They're my loves and i and i want to adopt them now nice uh then you have masquerita sagrada mil muertes johnny mundo sexy star pimpinella escarlata the crew that is again cortez castro mr cisco and bale and I, i didn't really explain it but they they all have this very like it's supposed to kind of feel a little like they're like street gangsters of 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 mexico like they talk, they talk a lot uh, about like when they're, they like, like they're supposed to be like street thugs. It's kind of their, their general character vibe and character. Uh, famous B who is a jobber, but I'll tell you this. I, I hate to, I hate to like hint at things that we're not going to get to on this podcast for like two years. <gasps> Season two, famous B becomes one of my favorite things on this show. <laughs> Owns. but right now that's that okay yeah but right now he's not really anything worth mentioning same for the next guy ricky mandel who will also kind of get a better character later on but for now he's a jobber and then chavo guerrero so that are you know this so that oh, is our was actually like rising up Arising out of obscurity into prominence yeah chavo guerrero uh when he shows up on the show is really um He's he's actually usually portrayed as a pretty important character, and That's he's a pretty rare thing to happen, right? Like like, like a jobber gets to like become a big boy. Uh, Chavo's never really been a jobber; more just like an old veteran who they're not who they don't really necessarily are going to have him for a plots. But they do have this very amusing. They create this very amusing pathos to this to his to him beating up Blue Demon Junior as like. You be you just like hospitalized a legend of Mexican lucha libre. All of Mexico is going to like find you and like like as if as if they're like some angry mob is gonna is banging down Chavo's door for daring to injure a Mexican oh, legend. <laughs> oh no no. Which is also like their kayfabe explanation for when Chavo doesn't appear for lengthy periods of time. He's kind of an irregular p- appearance, but his in kayfabe explanation for that is he's hiding from the mobs of 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 his of of Mexican people who are who are look who want to like kill him <laughs> for his dastardly deeds. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of I'm here amusing. for it. It's kind of amusing. So yeah, that is that's our our twenty men and a win. Oh wait, did I miss somebody here? Hold on, wait a minute. Let me read. Wait, wait a minute. Who got replaced? Hmm. I was. 
That is so weird because she's in this match. But okay, so someone who's in this match but wasn't in the episode eight. I thought episode eight had everybody that was in the match, but no. Uh, Eva Lise is in this match, and she is the she is the girlfriend of Son of Havoc. Like it's not, as part of the Son of Havoc plot, he eventually gets brings his girlfriend into this to have someone to support him and his claims that he is to that he is a totally serious oh, wrestler who deserves oh. serious competition. Oh, and, that poor woman. But she, yeah, their relationship won't last long. Just going to go ahead and throw that in there. But, uh, Eva Lee's well, herself, that's, that's good. but Eva Lee's herself is a pretty big ass kicker and she's, she's a regular wrestler herself. With her, with her appropriate nickname, the baddest bitch in the building. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Okay. Uh, okay, I see. Famous B isn't in Aztec Warfare. They replaced him with Ivalice. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's what got me confused because I'm because they intentionally were like the twenty people in episode eight are intentionally supposed to be the people who were in Aztec Warfare, but I guess something must have happened and they're like, all right, put Evilise in there, not Famous B. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But all right, uh, that is everything we need to talk about because all we really need to talk about is Aztec Warf is the build to Aztec Warfare. Alrighty. Oh, oh I'm very excited for I'm very excited to get to do this episode because this is this is is, is has is almost certainly gonna be as good as I remember it being. I'm oh I'm I'm pumped, dude. Like after last week, I I need really need a chaser or something that's just really fucking no. good. Yeah, and I'm uh, and uh hopefully it was what should is oh we'll get we'll talk more in the back half. Uh so see you guys in the back half. Yeah. And we're back. We have just finished watching Lucha Underground Season 1, Episode of Lucha Underground. God, I love this show! <laughs> I know, right? This is such a good show, dude. Oh my god. Alright, we're just going to be a Lucha Underground podcast now? I mean, I mean, okay. I, I'm, I'm really going back and forth on like if mm -hmm. so far like Lucha or AEW is my favorite. I honestly think it might be Lucha because like there's no fat, there's no, um, there's no kind of like um, uh, mm -hmm. tropiness that some of even AEW is prone to of the more standard uh, American wrestling game. It's all yeah. just like insanely talented athletes. Uh, going up and doing their thing, so a pretty a pretty tight and interesting story that kind that mm -hmm. keeps you hooked, um, keeps you interested throughout. I like it's tough, uh, and AEW AEW's heights might be a bit bigger than Lucha Underground's heights, but hot damn, does this thing have consistency? I there were so many like little things, especially after like kind of getting used to how Lucha flowed last time. There's so many like mm -hmm. little things I noticed that really contributes to its brilliance here. Um, um, kind of one thing I want to talk about off the bat to kind of piggyback off last mm -hmm. week's episode is I was thinking, especially in the front half when you were describing a lot of these characters, um, Lucha Underground, like 
80s WWF is a show that really, really relies on the uh, its big personalities to kind of carry it through. And I thought to myself, okay, so what's the difference here? Why do I find why do I find these personalities, big personalities, a much more engaging kind of front to the story than I do mm-hmm. for WWE? And, and I honestly think um, it's a lot of it's because a the way the personalities manifest themselves are different, right? It's not like you know cutting mm-hmm. long promos and having all these weird like weirdly drawn out interpersonal dramas like those are there but it's all it's all pretty mm-hmm. like uh you, you know quick and to the point and also the the um the 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 writing and the the talent uh and the kind of uh specifically kind of like the writing having that more cinematic feel to it uh and, you know tighter plotting mm-hmm. and the, um the the aesthetic and every every little thing that kind of makes you go oh cool about this show puts a substance behind it that i think i felt was lacking last time like this is the this is the oomph that i that i want and Mm -hmm. this delivers in spades oh my god yeah it is fantastic show as always and as i said aztec warfare is always a highlight for oh my god like it's kind of, it's it's nonstop action a, for, for fifty minutes. Yeah, and 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 the action is good, consistently good. Mm-hmm. Like in, like in in Lucha Underground, like all like everybody's a really good athlete. Like that's not even. Oh like, yeah. Even the stupid sounding jobbers that Austin listed off in the first half, they were really good. El Mariachi Loco ruled. Yes, he I'm... he he went in there and just started going off, and it was insane. I, I was I was genuinely impressed. Like, okay, we were kind of talking. Um, we were kind of talking. Uh, when this thing first started off, is that maybe this thing to say? But like. Austin and I are, I think both are very, very much drawn to high flying as a, as a wrestling style. And for good reason, um, beautiful and flashy to watch. Like these people know they can show off and revel in the fact that they can show off and just do such a delightful job at showing up. And the really cool thing is, despite the fact that high flying is this very kind of distinct style and you kind of have to do certain things to be a high flyer, Mm -hmm. a lot of these guys give their own little guys and gals pardon me give their own little spins to it like um like mundo obviously has his more like you know parkour thing going on parkour, I mentioned how I, he uses this kind of like, kind of like lankiness to his advantage to create these he little does. how long he is he has a very you mentioned it during the episode but he has like a very unique like way his body moves and that and i think that's mostly because of how like lanky he is <laughs> It, it accentuates it accentuates his length as a person. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't know how to describe it better than that. It accentuates the fact that he's got these long legs that can do these big sweeps, um, and it just kind of adds an extra special uh, physical dimension to it, which I think is really fun. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sexy star is elastic, dude. This 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 woman uh, this woman bounces and flips on a whim. Mm-hmm. No thought behind it. She just um uh someone like someone like um someone like puma obviously his whole thing is um is just being this insanely and, and now uh 
uh, world champion Puma after after um, after this match. Uh, it, it the final two were him and Johnny Mundo, of course. Uh, um, very much, very much. It felt just, like a really deliberate callback to the first episode to like end it oh, the same absolutely. way. But he, uh, but 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 the. The, the 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 delightful well because Mundo won the the first one right he did he did win he won the first match with him with that yeah, so yeah. now it's kind of one one so so now so now we have Puma so we now we have but now we have Puma evolving he's gotten better and his displays mm-hmm. in the ring rival rival Mundo's to a T there is like no question of like it's it's like it's like the perfect matchup and these two guys. Mm-hmm have such good in-ring chemistry um bolstered by the fact that they do a really good job playing off each other too like in the little moments of after mundo wins or after puma wins pardon me mundo stays in the ring a second and is going like you know grabbing his hand and holding up me like this guy mm-hmm. this guy's the real deal it's like again it's obviously scripted but i f- it it felt like dang this is like respect this is like heartfelt and touching and i love it mm-hmm. um which is great um, we also have we also have uh, you know a big boy like like King Cuervo, um, who is amazingly agile for how large he is. Um, we also uh, you have mean people where, like you mean where as agile, but um, well, Rick and Muerte, um, yeah. who who are big and are not as agile, but but they're. They're basically immovable mountains of people, and they do a really good job again accentuating that. Um, when when it, when uh, Big Rick and No Muertes face off against each other at one point, and these again, these are two really big dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And watching them hit each other, it seems like these are the only like e- each man is the only person that that could reasonably do any sort of remote damage to the other just mm-hmm. from straight up physical hit. yeah they do they it do that takes they, three people to dog yeah each, it's, each it's guy goes each guy goes down to really a combination of other guys but honestly i think it might be the same general combination i think rick goes down to like um puma mundo phoenix and chavo and then uh muertes goes down to puma uh, mundo and sexy star but like that's what it took Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing else could have ha- could have yeah. could have taken care of it, and that's that's why honestly, it's it's kind of like the final three has this very fun story slash kind of dynamic of like Mundo and and Puma aren't quite friends. They they get along well enough to be able to work yeah. together in spurts, but they keep and when they work together, they're unstoppable. They they're better than Muertes together, but they can't consistently, you know. They're they're too much. They don't get along that well, and they have too much like competitive spirit to be able to keep it a consistent team with each other. And one on one, Muertes can handle eat either of them just fine. Hell, hell, hell! I'd even argue Final Four had enough had had kind of that story significance too. Like mm-hmm. obviously, like Sexy Star isn't really as involved with Muertes and Mundo and Puma, but uh, she she's very much she very much feels like kind of the like the lady version of Puma, uh, in in the form of like this, the this just straight up really good, really talented, really upstanding protagonist that we just mm-hmm. really 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 want to see like triumph. Um, mm-hmm. so having her kind of in that final four was a phenomenal sight too. Um, mm-hmm. and it was great. Um, 
So, so, so even that, and I think too, that, that, that really speaks to uh, something I talk about a lot on this show, um, both to complain about and praise about, but I think mostly complain about is pacing. And mm -hmm. here, this pacing was brilliant um, in so many different ways. Uh, the way they keep the action going, the way it goes from like, the way it crescendos from like 1v1s to like, to like 3v3s and like total all out brawls. Um, the way... This was something I noticed too uh, early on. Uh, one wrestler like got got down, got eliminated, uh, and then immediately uh, we have countdown to the new guy coming in to keep things moving. Yeah, that's a that's uh, no, a like downtime. Yeah. Like yeah, they 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 kept the timing of people coming in to as very very good, and like there wasn't a, there isn't a consistent there isn't a consistent timer to it there just blatantly is not because it's not because it was pre-taped they can do whatever yeah. they want so they kind of you know, so they kind of so they they did a really good job of pacing out of like timing out and pacing out when people were going to show up and i think they do a good job of like keeping stories moving and like not having too many stories going at the same time. Like for example, um, oh. the Chavo, the Chavo yeah. Guerrero, sexy star drama is very much late in the match. And so is big Rick, honestly. So, and, but by that point, like the Drago Cuerno stuff, for example, or the son of havoc, um, Ivelisse Pimpinella Escarlata stuff, like, even if it like it, it, it could feel some, especially Cuerno Drago, surprised it when it was kind of done that early. But they facilitated those stories out, so there's room for the other stories in the back half, and you don't have too many. You don't have oh, too yeah. many current uh, plot threads going at the same time. So something I noticed really early on was they did a really, uh, really smart trick with the writing uh, because the announcers at some point at one point early on point out like not all these guys are 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 in the ring all the time because they're taking time to rest and it's a really good strategy and i was thinking about that too kind of before they said that um and the way they the way they talk about it a brilliant exposition for like people who aren't used to this kind of like match style just like why is everybody yeah. in there free frowing all the time well like, it's, why, it's, like why, uh, why, why uh, why are they just hanging out there on the back yeah, yeah, um, and it's also this really smart way to get these 1v1 moments, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We can have our moments of utter chaos in the ring, but sometimes people got to rest, and and that just happens to be which that's when not two just, people aren't which resting, just, which just is, happen which is, to have some beef between them. Yeah, but like also it isn't just a kayfabe thing. That's like a legitimate thing. Like that's a like you know this match is a very long one. You know, Mundo was there the entire hour, so. Like he can't, yeah. he can't be wrestling the entire time. So like, and so they got to have moments where like they, the guys are taking a breath, taking a rest, especially because they're doing this crazy athletic stuff. They can't just go whole hog the entire match. Oh, absolutely. So, so it's, it's also a legitimate, uh, a legitimate rest period for these performers. And it, it's kind of this great, like piece de resistance of brilliant, like everything to, to make mm -hmm. this, this type of match work. It's this great triple threat uh, of a of a trope um, hmm. that allows for great practical considerations, great writing considerations, um, and really, 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 really good um, uh, uh, time to focus on uh, hmm. on on you know 
people who who we want to like you know play out their stories in ring yeah um, and and as much as, as much as i uh i, I want to come back to I, I don't think i mentioned it during the episode but i kind of want to just throw this out now is that like the the uh cuerno um drago story um it had one of my favorite kind of un- small moments of the entire match where drago is kind of having his big like hit your moves show off moment. It's like standout moment of the match mm-hmm. and off in the corner, almost out of the corner of your eye, but sometimes the camera will get a good look at it. Cuerno is just standing in the corner, just kind of is kneeling in the corner, waiting for his spot to take, to get Drago. He's standing there like a hunter waiting to hunt. And it was so cool to me. Oh, Cuerno was, Cuerno does a great job at playing off that shtick. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's got this really great, like, intense stare. And again, the, how large he is really contributes to this kind of, like, imposing physicality that gives you a sense of, like, yeah, this is a really intense dude who's got a, who's just got a single-minded goal that he's going to, like, he's going to adhere to or fucking, like, you know, just die. Like, mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's get this dragon if it's the last thing he does. Um, which is great. The one kind of disappointing a- aspect of that was that, was that, like, Drago, like, didn't, end up doing a whole lot in ring we saw a lot yeah. more of him i think out of the ring than we did in. and he got eliminated weirdly early too yeah i i think it's this kind of a thing of like you know as as, as great of the pacing is is that you know this is only a 50 minute a 45 to 50 minute match so in the sense that like it's hard to pack everything in there and so like something's got to kind of get snipped off and kind of not be as, as big as you might think it should be and I think in this match, kind of Cuerno and Drago's inter- interactions are, are kind of the biggest victim of that. Yeah, and, and here I think it's acceptable to pay li- to, to to do more kind of like paying lip service to things like that because mm-hmm. because yeah, like you said, we gotta like we gotta prioritize here, and the fact mm-hmm. they're the fact they're focusing on it at all um, is still a testament to how strong the writing is, and I think I think a really good um, mm-hmm. I still think a perfectly acceptable way to to kind of pace out this match. Uh, kind of a similar thing with um, with Son of Havoc. Um, he got eliminated weirdly early, so did Ivelisse. Um, but like, it's fine. Um, yeah, it was cool to see them show off a little and to see them go out as quickly as they did. Um, mm-hmm. Was like, you know, we. we our lip service to the fact that he's like you know he's kind of a douchebag and he's just kind of going around like won't anybody take me seriously um and then you need a match for that so sure it's it's yeah uh, you know you wish you could oh. see more but for the sake of efficiency yeah sure by all means if you got to get him out of there i i understand you know again mm-hmm. i don't want to compromise this tight tight writing just for my own kind of personal like oh but it'd be cool to see more of him maybe oh yeah. Uh, yeah these are people who very clearly and you know, leave him wanting more a little bit. We're gonna they'll that like he's gonna continue on with this kind of ongoing plot for the for a lot of for uh, a lot of the next section of the season. And Cuerno and Drago will be, I believe, are still going to be a thing going forward too. Mm-hmm. Oh, something else I really want to point out that I noticed here mm-hmm. that I really, really, really appreciate is hot damn. Um, uh, Lucha Underground does a fantastic job balancing, like balancing comedy into their, um, into their matches, like, mm-hmm. uh, and into their show. Like, it's never like they, it, it, it's, it's, they do a really good job at like giving it a bit of a subtlety that mm-hmm. 
kind of that 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 allows you to laugh at things, but still overall take the whole event seriously. Like, um, like like Pimp- Pimpernella is that is that Pimpinella? Her name? Yeah, Pimpinella. Pimpinella. Like Pimpinella. Pimpinella was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the way she found the. Uh, uh, struts around and you know is very flirtatious and you know uh, she I forget who she kisses but she kisses one of the one of her competitors I think she, I think she she's kisses, like going I think she kisses ra- Phoenix ra- I think she I think she kisses Phoenix and then tries to kiss Evelise and Cuerno before uh, before yeah, well, she, she tries she tries she tries she goes up and like tries to back on the ref too and it's like getting the trying to get the audience to like to to get her to egg her on yeah which is great um uh, and, but but. In she she does a really good job at at being funny while still kicking ass in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, like like she does she she does kind of more cartoony movements, but they're effective cartoony movements. And she gets some she gets some good hits and good moves, and she's a she's a bit of a high flyer too. Um, and she like like not 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 to the same extent as like as like someone like like Puma. Um. But man, she's agile and she's flexible and she's and she's she's rubbery and 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 she gets some good moves in before she gets eliminated. It was really cool to see. Um, again, uh, loco uh, loco mariachi um, or mm-hmm. mariachi loco. He's funny too, um, especially because he's got like this great like kind of silly design to his mask and what have you. Yeah, and he's um, and he's kind of like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he's very kind of yeah. He, goofy how he presents himself but dang if that wasn't a showcase of his abilities mm-hmm. um it does or 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 um oh oh oh, oh. mask mascarita Sagrada. no mascarilla uh mascarita the mini oh my lord what a talent again funny like like they do a good job at like not being like haha small person and that's why it's funny but like mm-hmm. but like he does a good job of kind of leaning into his own physicality and and doing things that are um doing kind of having kind of the, like this this comedic timing to his movements but again dude is dude is climbing all over people and taking them down uh and pulling off some good moves like mm-hmm. like funny but effective uh yeah. and it never compromises the how seriously i'm able to take this or how kind of like i'm able to suspend my disbelief as it were yeah it's it's the comedy is is like almost like a you know like how absurd of a size diff of like a how the absurdity of the of of the nature of like how much smaller he is than everybody else and the kind of the very natural mm-hmm. like conclusions of that, of where like, like when he tries to kick big Rick, like it doesn't affect him that doesn't affect big Rick that much because big Rick just towers over him. Yeah. yeah. But he's, but he's still someone you have to take seriously because he's super talented and he knows how to use his, his body to his, to as a weapon in a, in a fight against someone much larger than him. And that's a consistent tale for Masquerita Sagrada overall is that like, is it like yeah he's kind of almost this like he's he's like he's like ha ha look at look at the little guy like how how's he gonna be able to fight me a a a big size wrestler yeah. but then they they you, you underestimate him and he'll he'll get you and i think this match does that well of yep. like he almost beats big rick 
And the only reason he really doesn't mm-hmm. is because Big Rick is ju- is just a little bit too big and is also cognizant enough of the fact that like, okay, this is okay. This is a very fun. All right. Time to, time to send the little time to send this guy packing. All right, we're done. We're done playing around here. Yeah. Yeah. He gets himself in like just the wrong position with Rick for Rick to kind of like get a hold on him and drop him. Um, yeah. But after after a really a really great kind of da- dance between a really big dude and a really small dude, yeah, um, where the little guy was, is a little was, too uh, too fast for him. Yeah, it was a fascinating. It was a fascinating moment to watch. Um, and I'm really I'm really glad um, that it felt fresh to me. Never like never like it was kind of like this forced moment. It felt like it felt like because these two guys are so talented, this is just too a great show off of physicality all around. Um, and we're just getting in this case just playing with size difference, and that's cool. Um, this yeah, it was it was it was uh, it was really cool to see. Uh, yeah, just again, the writing on this show uh, never is does, is still not ceasing to amaze me and how tight it is and how compelling it is. Even in this episode, single promo was cut aside from Dario just being all Dario at the beginning mm-hmm. um, to the audience. Um, not a single promo was cut, but so much story was conveyed through this match that I like I. I I don't even know what to say other than to just gush about. Man, what a fun time. More, please. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I kind of think a kind of an underrated aspect of these of this match type in general, I guess probably not underrated, but something we haven't talked about really, is that like this is the kind of like potential for team-ups that you haven't gotten to see and we weren't necessarily expecting to happen. I've, like Puma and Mundo a little bit and that like they've only been like kind of friends, but then they also get to team up with like Sexy Star who they've not interacted with at all at this up to this point. Yes. And you see it on the bad guy side too, with like Chavo Guerrero kind of helping out any sleaze ball that happens to be in trouble because he himself is a sleaze. Yeah. Ball. <laughs> and also a great which, which Chavo. Um, go ahead. I think Chavo Guerrero is someone we kind of need to, we, Chavo Guerrero, I think is someone worth kind of like praising in this match as being like the ultimate sleaze. In a lot, in a couple of ways, is first of all, he's the only asshole who brings a weapon into the into the thing. Like, yes, you know, Dario opened the show being like, anything goes. There are no real rules, but everyone, good guys and bad guys, kind of have this almost honor code about it of like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna fight this straight up as or it's you know straight up as as anyone does, you know. And then Chavo's like, well, fuck it, I can bring a steel chair to the ring. I'm just going to, and I'm going to do that. Yeah. And aside from, aside from sexy star using it, like toward the end of the match to drop Chavo, he's mm-hmm. the only one who used it for the entirety of the match. Uh, just to kind of go to show like, man, these are people who are not going to stoop to his, uh, stoop to his level, uh, unless they absolutely have to, to be like, Hey, fuck you, get out of here. Yeah. And um, it's also, and it's also a way to kind of legitimize Chavo in a way, because he's, he's pretty consistently kind of been portrayed as like, you know, in terms of power levels here, he's not as good. He's not as powerful as the may is the real top level kind of, of people involved in this match, but he finally, he winds up his way into being into the top final five. And that's kind of a combination of his own why his own cunning but also the fact that like he dude brought a weapon into this ah, 
Well, well, yeah, because, like, the only other outside asset that gets brought is, like, mm -hmm. um, uh, blah, 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 is, is Mil Muertes bringing his oh, yeah, girlfriend Katrina, to, like, yeah, and Katrina, him into a one-up. And Katrina, Katrina gets herself involved until Mundo kicks her head off <laughs> at the end of yeah. the match. Yeah, and so she, so she gets knocked out, so Mil Muertes can't get a revival. Yeah, Muertes is kind of like lost a little bit without Katrina there, and that's ultimately his downfall. Yeah, no, you can see him. He does a good job at kind of like showing that he's heated up, but instead of that turning into him like hulking out on them, it's it. I think they were trying to play it like like um, it it takes us out of the game. And while I don't think they mm -hmm. like played that off like super effectively, like like they weren't focusing a whole lot on that, and it's not like he was super conveying that aside from him just going like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more, it's more um, just like still like it's still it still comes off that way. You recognize that she's a, that she's a plot device, uh, and you recognize that knocking her out is a game changer in the match, and that's mm -hmm. kind of all you need to know. Yeah. But, uh... um, but but kind of kind of the one thing I wanted to note about Chavo um, specifically was that I I really like here that even more than someone like Son of Havoc, um, mm -hmm. he's kind of that he's kind of the a really great example of that kind of classic tropey moral comeuppance heel of mm -hmm. kind of stuff we've seen in miniature with some of our past uh, some of our past matches like um, like at like what's his face at the end of the Cody Rhodes match, uh, being like, really uh, MJF. scared. Of Cody oh Rhodes. yeah. MJ, uh, MJF. Yeah. When MJF. he's like terrified yeah. that Cody Rhodes has beaten all of his tests. Yeah. Um, but Chavo, Chavo is this great, is another really great example of this guy who just acts like a total, like a total douche the whole time. Who's like above the rules and better than everyone. And, you know, just being a straight up, like cheating, not actually cheating, but like, you know, he's, he's kind of being shady a little Bit. Like new uh, turn, turns on his own partner. Like you know, like they built up for episodes. Yeah. It's Pentagon Junior Chavo Guerrero kind of like partnership in a way, and then in this match, Chavo just decides to clock Pentagon, sees an opportunity, and clocks Pentagon Junior with the chair too. Yeah, well, that's like, to get a, that's to get a cheap and easy elimination. Yeah, because uh, like you see, like you see the end, the 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 logical end of of being a sleazeball is that you'll get betrayed by your own fellow sleazeballs, you'll get destroyed by your own worldview, and on top of that, at the end, like we have this great moment where you know where where Chavo gets knocked down by by sexy star, um, and and Blue Demon's there to literally slap him and then wag his finger in Chavo's face, and again, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel. Uh, campy to me. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel hokey. It feels like it, it kind of felt like like this is a legitimate expression of of like disappointment and how dare you coming from Blue Demon. Of like, and it was you, great. Like you um, put me and, in the ho you put me in the hospital. I'm gonna come for you now forever. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it, I really appreciated that. Um. I, I really appreciated that he was kind of the the um really good job of playing him as like kind of that classic like heel of we're gonna teach you a lesson bucko um without without it really feeling forced without it feeling super tropey without it feeling like like basic and like yeah okay i get it um it, it because again the the really good pacing and the really tight writing of this of this episode um have like never lingered on that too long for you to be like, okay, yeah, I get it. He's a douchebag. He's going to get what come, what's coming to him. Like, mm -hmm. no, it, it, they focus on it just enough and just sporadically enough um, that it kind of like you jump back in and you're going to go with the flow and you're like, oh yeah, 
fuck you. And then by the end, when 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 he gets his come up and like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. Um, yep. Um, it, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, again uh, these uh, Lucha Underground does a fantastic job playing with character tropes that on the surface seem very basic, very predictable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like we've done this before. This isn't like revolutionary, but. The way they, the way they never, again, the the way they're, the how strong their pacing is, and the fact there's never really any fat to their episodes, uh, which I think is an advantage of how sh- kind of short these episodes are. Um, yeah, leads to leads to uh, a really s- strong uh, connection to 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 kind of how it feels to watch these characters interact the way they do, um, because you're not forced to be there for too long. It catches mm-hmm. your motions it a couple lightning bolts at him and then before you can get tired of any of the shocks it's done and we're moving on to the next thing and yeah. that's great um it, it it's it's frenetic but not, but in a controlled it is controlled chaos in the best possible way mm-hmm. um I, I guess i feel like i i guess i have one kind of gripe mate in terms of like the match and that would be kind of the use of the crew uh cortez castro mr cisco and bale um, it just felt kind of weird. I feel like you, there was a bit of a lost opportunity with them because, you know, in this, ma- you know, in this match is very much a, a, a every man for himself kind of a, a vibe. But I think that you could have had a kind of interesting story to tell here of at least getting more of the crew together before you, bef- but at the same time, like Mr. Cisco shows up at number three and is pretty quickly taken out. And then Bale and, and Cortez Castro have, they get in the ring together and they have a little bit of a thing, but then they both get eliminated right before big Rick shows up. Like they are eliminated right before yeah. big Rick comes out. Uh-huh. And, and like, as the only real like unit at this point in time in Lucha underground, like they will establish a tag team scene, but the, at this point in time, they are the only like group of guys who are affiliated with each other. I, I, and, and I think that you could tell an interesting story of like being able to like control the match, so to speak for a certain period of time, because like, what are you going to do when you got the three or even all four of them together at the same time, working together with when everybody else has to go with, has to, you know, kind of work, go it alone. And they just kind of don't bother with it. None of them, but Rick even feel particularly yeah. dangerous. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, and and I can I can certainly understand where that gripe is coming from because while they were in the ring, it was a lot like like uh, when it was when it was Bale and Castro in the ring. To be fair, they were kind of dominating for a hot second. Um, yeah, but then then Castro I think got knocked out, and then it was just over for them. Um, which is a, which? Yeah, I I think I agree with you. It was unfortunate because it it was really cool to see these two guys kind of dominate and pushing around, but it was really short lived. And yeah, I think yeah. I can agree with you a little too short lived. Yeah. And like that's 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 kind of like one of those tropes I really appreciate that I think is sometimes underappreciated is kind of like the importance of being a team in in universe like like I don't I don't want to like rag on WWE during for this particular episode but I think a trope that sometimes WWE goes to too much 
and that kind of annoys me is kind of like what they'll do is they'll throw together like two random dudes who are just really good singles wrestlers and then they'll tell the story of like ooh, can they coexist and then you have them beating guys who are like established tag teams and i just feel and i just kind of feel like as a personal level i would i think it's more it's better it's better storytelling for like when if if things are equal enough or then uh, then then a a team that is together and and knows how to work together should win and in a similar vein it'd be more it's it's kind of interesting that like on their own you know cortez castro and bale could never in a million years beat um prince puma or johnny mundo but together they can work together and know how to and know how to take both of them down because they are a unit and they and puma and mundo are not yeah and and this kind of this kind of touches on two kind of the big uh big thematic thing i i or not not thematic thing but a big kind of like thing throughout the match that kind of created this um this really great uh uh thrill this kind of miniature sustained thrill for me throughout uh that i think really ties into this theme uh and it ties into your your gripe that this uh that that the the that squad was underutilized um because something i found really really kind of engaging throughout the match was the idea of or watching um people team up one second and then try to freaking bash each other's brains in the neck it created this great tension throughout of, yeah of, of who's gonna team up with who who's gonna like kind of quote-unquote backstab who uh you know who's yeah gonna and be, that's... who's gonna be fighting with each other and against each other at any given moment and it's this great push and pull mm. and i think the 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 underutilization of that of that particular foursome uh is a slight detriment to it not one that like uh, kills that mood for the whole match but of course not but no. who's in as a as a as a as a kind of plot device uh showing them really dominating for a little bit could have added to that in a really rich way i think yeah oh absolutely and yeah and that is one of the more fun aspects of these kind of large multi multi-man matches is, is like at the end of the day it's all about yourself at the end of the day only one person can win the match but then but in, in any given moment it could be advantageous to join up with somebody a temporary alliance and then there's always that question of when will the how temporary is this alliance going to be like when is it going to end yeah and i think i think the king of this tonight at least at least to me kind of based on how i view character tropes when it comes to professional wrestling mm -hmm. is uh, i think the king of that uh not, no pun intended was puma um mm -hmm. because Puma is one of those like baby faces who you know he's he's like the star baby face right um yeah. where he just uh, um he 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 exudes this kind of like um you know young sweet cinnamon roll energy like you know he he feels like he feels like you know that 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 young rookie who just wants like he wants to get in there and like do the thing. he's he's a, he's a sweet kid at heart but he's also yeah, a total he's... badass in the ring yeah um, it's not uh, a bad dude, and, and you would think like he would be he would be focusing uh far more on like on like teaming up and building bridges, but he was kind of an aggressor to a lot of people who he tag teams with throughout the match too. Like mm -hmm. like he goes hard, like oh uh, he goes real hard, flip flopping 
between tag teaming with Mundo and wanting to completely kick his ass. Uh, he has a, he has similar moments with uh, with Sexy Star of of one moment there they're doing some great synchronized movement together. The next he's just he's going for her and trying to be like no get out of here. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I think it it gives this really kind of fun edge to him that we don't mm-hmm. get on modern baby faces. Uh, and that and that uh, and it, with a balance. That that older, edgier baby faces didn't quite achieve, you know, kind of like yeah. the Hulk Hogan types. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this great yeah. back and forth of of yeah, he has cinnamon roll energy, and he wants to, you know, he he wants to team up with his fellow good guys, but also he's here to win, and he ain't gonna let anyone stop him, baby face or yeah. heel. And I and and I think this could be something. This could be me trying to, you know. Put something and meaning into the something that isn't the in, that isn't there, but I feel I I, t- I can't help but notice the fact that like we talk about that kind of like the seeming switch, and his manager is Conan, who you, we haven't you we haven't gotten to see too too much of him, but is pretty clearly he's almost as a very he, Conan has a very heelish tendency about him, if not outright being a heel, depending on who you ask, who has this very much this attitude of like. Puma, it's all you got to get the win. Like, it's not about friends. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, being this moral, j- this j- great fighter for j- injustice, fighter of injustices everywhere. It's about winning. You got to do what you got to do to win. And I think that that kind of is a natural, conc- a natural, like, result of that kind of coaching is that you get this guy who naturally wants to be like a goody, a goody, good, good, good guy, friend. But then, he he know he has he still brings this intensity and this gotta win attitude to it because he's been coached to be like that from someone who doesn't value who doesn't have the same puts the same value on being what would be considered like a conventional baby face. Honestly, I don't think that's a force analysis at all. I I could mm-hmm. absolutely seeing these see these writers um, putting that sort of thought into the character um, mm-hmm. because they're very explicit about about kind of showing this aspect of Conan. Like like literally yeah. first episode that sort of little promo we saw of him of him training uh, Puma. We saw that side to him and we saw how much he kind of pushes Puma. And we see we see Puma's moments in the ring of when he gets knocked down, getting really frustrated with himself. Uh, mm-hmm. And before trying to push himself onto the like push himself on further, and now this is the evolution of that. He's gotten better. He's not getting as frustrated in the ring because he's in mm. control of things. He's the aggressor. Yep. He's going for it. I I don't think that's force at all. I think really what they're going for a hundred percent without question. That's what they were going for in ten. Mm. Yeah, and and I'm very interested to kind of, and I'm interested to kind of relive like how this dynamic with Conan and um, Puma continues on as the season goes along. Because now, now he's the champion. Like he's he's not just the the hometown boy in 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 that that everybody likes. He's the man. You know, everybody is going to want a piece of him. Yeah. Like honestly, I'm 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 no, I'm fascinated by it. like I, I've never been more interested in a main character babyface than I am in Prince Puma. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't and I don't I don't quite remember everything about how this goes, but it does it does kind of lend to this idea of like will 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 Puma take it another step further? 
is I think is, is something worth asking here. Is it like, sure. Is that he's got Conan is, is not above doing, do, being a little underhanded if what it take if that's what it takes to win, but will he get, will he convince Puma of that kind of thing? When Puma's pretty firmly established as a kind of guy no. who's not into that. It, 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 I, and I feel that tension. Just talking about mm-hmm. it, I feel that tension. I think that's a very compelling point of drama to go on. Um, and I, I trust these writers to play that, uh, to not drive it into the ground, to not be too mm-hmm. like heavy-handed with it, to play it just the right amount. Again, these are smart, tight writers. Um, mm-hmm. And this is why I'm so enthusiastic about all these about all these storylines in this show. That's why that, I think that's why I'm so so excitedly invested in all this uh, because there's the people who know how to handle these stories, and I've already got a sense of that two episodes in. Yeah. Um, so I just know going forward the, the abilities for how this stuff can be written and written well are endless, and that's so exciting. Absolutely, and um, not not to. Um... You know, no, I'm not going to talk about it anymore about what's happening, what'll happen in the future of this show. But uh, this show is again, it's pretty great. I think you you see that pretty obviously. But I'm and I'm so excited for when we're going to continue on with this going forward because this is oh absolutely this is this is again as I've said so many times on the show, it's pretty much my favorite wrestling thing ever. I want to I I think that from what I've seen, and so I'm very excited to get a share for our part of our podcast journey for it's part of it to be of Lucha Underground. This and AEW are my two things that I just actively look forward to uh covering. Mm-hmm. Um those are the two things that I'm just like I'm so on board with already. Uh, and, and when it comes up time to do these episodes, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just a hundred percent on board ready and ready and willing and excited. Um, because I have been blown away so early on and I can only imagine, uh, the, the, the heights to which, uh, both of these things will ascend or have ascended that I'll, that I'll get to watch. Um, as we kind of continue on our analysis of them specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, uh, Lucha Underground is such a treat. Everything about it, from the writing to the aesthetic, which one 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 other thing I noted to Austin while we were watching that I that I really like is the audience is kind of included into the aesthetic here. Like, like there's a certain like uh, extra grittiness uh, or grunchiness about Lucha Underground. Like it feels like literally like an underground fight club and like the live audience isn't like, you know, stadium seated packs full of like, of like, um, you know, uh, people in people in logo tees with, with like uh stadium corn dogs in hand. These are mm. just like people in folding chairs, just watching it raw all happen out in front of them even without barriers in front of them uh like like if a wrestler comes flying out of the ring half the time they're going right to the face of the audience like even the audience all gets gets incorporated into the aesthetic all these little things um that just make it feel like this really uh this really thorough depiction of this version of the world of wrestling that is that is just endlessly engaging mm-hmm Absolutely. Everything about Lucha Underground is, is so aesthetically is so unique to how wrestling looks in, in any, I don't, I want to say in any era, really, I don't think there's really like any like era. Like you'd have to go some really old school, I think to find anything that's kind of similar to like Lucha Underground's very like intimate grungy 
in um a look but and even feel. then there was a certain there was a certain um a certain kind of like you know old timey polish to like to like mm -hmm. OG wrestling um that Lucha Underground that Lucha Underground uh is able to eschew via kind of the way it establishes its aesthetic, the way it sort of shows everything visually. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for where we go forward with this because things are going to get oh even going to get crazier. It's going to get way more violent as time goes on. I'm 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 honestly excited for that. I was kind of like tentative about that when you first told me about it, like how like how dark, violent this stuff can get. But honestly, seeing these athletes perform like this, I think that I want to see them go harder against each other. I think mm -hmm. it would be really cool to see the formula, the high flying formula, get shaken up with just some brutal hits, um, which is a weird thing for me to say. Mm -hmm. um, for the people listening, know me personally. And you know how weird it is to like hear David say like, man, that was violent. Can it be more violent though? Like <laughs> that's not a usual thing for me to say, but this is so visually engaging to me as is the fighting that. Yeah. Let's see it stepped up a notch. I would love to see how these, how these, uh, um, physical artists, uh, portray that and how they make me feel about it. Yeah. Uh, it'll be good to revisit your your thoughts on on blood in as a as as far as part of a wrestling formula. True, that's the uh, I forgot I forgot that blading would be involved. Shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, and then they took it. They took, Lucha Underground takes advantage of the fact that it's TV fourteen when it comes to that kind of thing. See, because like I imagine, because when I was imagining the blood, I was imagining it the hard way, and then you said that, and I was like, "Wait, shit." <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk. We'll we'll, talk. Well, we we'll cross will, that we bridge will. when we get there. Though. We but indeed. On a in a in a purely aesthetic vacuum, I think I'm ready to see it get more violent. I might still be squicky about the blood, knowing how it's being drawn, but mm. uh, I I will. Um, I will uh, myself in for the ride because this show has earned that from me. It is, it has earned, it has earned my desire to be challenged. And I, th I think that covers everything that we were looking to cover. I think, unless there's anything else. You'd yeah, like no, to about. uh, yeah. No, that was like I think I think I went through all my notes here, uh, mm -hmm. just kind of all the little things I wanted to touch on. Um, but yeah, no, again, I really like doing these episodes where I have just pretty much nothing but good things to say about the thing we've watched. Um, mm -hmm. It feels it, it feels really cool to just get, get to gush about this, uh, especially with you, who I yep. who I can only imagine the amount of pleasure you take in 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 hearing me talk like this about like your favorite thing ever i do i i do take so much pleasure in, when in you enjoy these episodes along with me well 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 yeah and, and it's, it's it is this really cool thing because because that's what this whole podcast was founded on right it was mm -hmm. it was you you gushing to me and 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 just going on and on about all this stuff and i could just feel the passion you had for it and and it was an it was an it was an inspiring passion and it was it, it again it, it it was it was a sort of 
passion that that earned my desire to challenge myself um by kind of wanting to step into this arena um so it feels really cool when i when i know that i'm kind of matching your passion for these things mm -hmm. uh, and and that's that's what's really exciting for me about watching good wrestling especially with you is that is that yeah i i i'm getting it now um yeah I'm, I'm sucked in I'm, and i'm and i'm not and i'm not nearly i'm not nearly still as well versed on the culture and all the little like esoteric behind the scenes insanity as you are mm -hmm. um but i am i i'm learning it and it's coming it, mm -hmm. I, honestly it's coming a lot more naturally to me than i than i thought it would um and again it feels the most rewarding uh in, in these moments where now i'm watching something that i know viscerally that i really enjoy and thanks to you and thanks to this podcast i have the language to express why i enjoy it and that's what's really mm -hmm. cool about this and i and i really Next i really hope, like, you know, i really i really well what like and obviously it's still a lot of evolving for us to go through on this mm -hmm. podcast but what i'm really you know, it'd be really cool to like you know down the line when when we have so many episodes out and hopefully when we're when we're uh when we're bigger um mm -hmm. uh you know knock on wood right uh we have people who kind of go through from beginning to end and hear the evolution of kind of uh on on both of our ends because i imagine this is also mm -hmm. a great kind of exercise for you on on um on how to how to kind of analyze your favorite art form in different ways it definitely definitely is and it's also kind of forcing myself to be exposed to stuff that you know i've always said like oh yeah it'd be cool if i like sat down and watched this but like 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 i'll be honest about like i've never really gone back like and you look at historic like old wrestling older than what i when i started watching i've never watched a significant amount of that just because it's a very intimidating aspect prospect to like go through and watch. Like, I think the biggest thing is, is I've watched every single WrestleMania, all 36 of them now. Um, that's, and that's probably, I know. And that's probably the big, like the biggest like historical wrestling I've ever like sat down and watched just because like, there is so much wrestling that I want to watch that just currently airs. And also it is such a very intimidating, uh, way of like, of trying to like get it, pick an entry point and go with it. And so for getting, doing, doing research for this podcast and kind of like going through all these different eras of WWE is kind of, ex and, and, and wrestling as a whole, once I, when I choose to, it's kind of been, it's been fun to like expose myself to wrestling that I've not watched before. And kind of feel, I yeah. feel a little more yeah. well, well, uh, well versed in in my wrestling history. You're you're becoming even more of a knockout. Uh, yes, uh, it, this will always like I uh, look even even as become less and less newbish with each episode uh i you'll you are still also evolving at your own pace that that mm -hmm. like hey hopefully the 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 channel title will never be outdated or you know yeah definitely updated we'll hopefully. find a we'll find a way to say you know or whatever but yeah. that, that's looking way far ahead but but yeah no uh i think i think and and it's really cool that like stuff like 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 lucha underground this this random little like four season thing that not a whole lot of people watch is what's bringing the, is what's bringing this kind of uh, bringing this sort of uh, passion for this out in us the most uh, just kind of goes to show that like, 
that it doesn't matter like if you're the biggest company in the world uh who who like has all of the viewers and all the funding and whatever um as long as you, you are kind of showing that passion for the art form that um that drive to 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 make it good and to understand what makes it good um mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how big or small you are um it's that that having that at your core is what makes it really good and really viscerally good and really intellectually good and mm -hmm. that i think and again perfectly exemplified um by the best of lucha underground here um more so than i think anything we've watched um mm -hmm. aside from aside from aside from like you know big climactic cody Rhodes fight which i was you know freaking out about oh my god they used visual metaphor um yeah. uh but yeah, oh god, I cannot, I cannot gush about this enough. I love the hell out of Lucha Underground, and I cannot wait to return to it. Absolutely. But what will we be doing next time? Uh, whenever that is, um, because you know, this week is is the week of Christmas, and it is truly a Christmas miracle. But that we were able to get into the recording. It was incredible. It was a bit of a miracle that we were able to record anything at all this week for, to get this episode out. Yeah, so, we're recording on Christmas Eve. Indeed. We're recording on the 23rd. So will we have an episode next week, the week of New Year's? I don't know. We'll find out. But we will almost certainly have an episode two weeks from now, if not. And that episode will be... We'll be returning to... 1997 uh the return of, of i've been working my way through this kind of the dawn of the attitude era curated playlist a little yes. bit here. and we're going to kind of talk about what another one of those like the attitude era was born here kind of episodes and arguably kind of the final death of of kayfabe in its traditional sense is when yes. vince mcmahon went on TV and, and gave a promo and cut a promo that is known as the cure for the common show. <clears throat> oh my God. Oh, I was said I kayfabe is like my favorite concept ever. So this is great. Yes. <laughs> but all right, that will, but that is for next time. And David, you got the plugs. Ah. All right, let's, let's do some plug Reno baby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so hello, thank you for listening to our delightful podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Um, please, by all means, find us on social media because we are uh, we are uh, trying to grow our presence, uh, trying to kind of insert ourselves into the online uh, um, wrestling fandom community. Um, so you can find us, uh, you can find our show on YouTube, the Noobs and Knockouts. Podcast. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Um, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Noobs and Knox Pod. Uh, if you want to, if you want to reach out to the show, uh, uh, suggest episodes, give any sort of feedback, tell us, hey, hey, you guys have some really sexy voices. I love, I love listening to you guys. <laughs> uh, you can email us. At, uh, I mean, it's true. We got some damn good voices, man. I'm just saying. Um, uh, uh, you can email us at uh, noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's currently where you can find all of us. The one thing I, I, I'm, like, debating if I want to set up, like, a Facebook page, because, like, maybe, but because, like, on one hand, Facebook, but on the other, like, eh, it's decent outreach. Yeah, uh, but for Facebook. now, that's all the places you can find us. Please go 
find us, go follow us. Please give us a sub. Uh, please rate us on all your favorite places to listen to podcasts. Uh, yep. Anything that can tell us that you like the show and that you want to, you want to see us grow bigger is greatly appreciated. Um, so please, uh, please do. And thank you again all so much. Uh, we're so glad that we get to kind of share this journey with people. Absolutely. Well, uh, that'll be all for this episode. See you all on the flip side. Adios.